Our text this morning will be Colossians 1, the verses 3 through 8, and so we'll read those few verses together again. Colossians 1, beginning at verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epiphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So far from the reading of our text this morning. Brothers and sisters of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, what have been some of the most significant influences in your life? What has shaped you into the person who you are today? Now certainly, the life that you have at home will have a significant influence on you, the relationship which your parents have, also the relationship you have with them, the relationship you have with your siblings, these things have an influence on you. Also, the friends which you might spend time with, or even the teachers at the school that you go to, all these people, they have a certain influence on your life, and they shape you to one degree or another into the person which you are today. But when we think of all these influences, really, they don't compare at all to the influence which the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has on our life. It's this gospel which shapes us, which transforms us. Now, perhaps we don't always think about this. Many of us, we've grown up in the faith. We've been steeped in the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We may even start to take it for granted at times, and we can forget what an awesome gift we have in the gospel, in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But nevertheless, this gospel, it is it which has the power to shape us, to transform us like nothing else in our life can, more so than even our parents or our friends or our teachers. And so our text comes to us this morning as a reminder of this great gospel message which we have and also the power which comes from this message. And it encourages us this morning to always hold on to this message, to never let go of it, to be in God's word, and also to thank the Lord for sending this great message to us. And so our theme and points this morning are the following. Give thanks to God for the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We'll see three points. The power of the gospel is grounded in Christ. The power of the gospel brings real change. And finally, the power of the gospel is faithfully proclaimed. So this truth, the truth that the gospel is grounded in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is really seen in the very first line of our text this morning. We read there, Paul and Timothy say, we always thank God, 
the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. And so here, already in this line, the Holy Spirit, he's laying the groundwork for everything which he is going to tell us in our text this morning. The God whom we are talking of, well, this is nothing, none other than the God of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the God who loved us so much that he sent his one and only Son into the world, that whoever believes in this Son might not perish, but have eternal life. It's this God, this Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is the basis for everything which the Spirit will tell us this morning. And it's this great gospel message also which served as the basis for the faith and for the love which the Philippians, or pardon me, which the Colossians were showing. The Colossians, they have this faith in Jesus Christ. And it's the same faith that we have in our hearts as well. The faith that our sins are forgiven, that everlasting righteousness and salvation are ours, out of mere grace, only for the sake of Christ's merits. And this truly is a, a living faith inside of us, brothers and sisters. It's a faith which brings change in our life. It's a faith which has real power for our life. And we can see some of the power of this faith in the Gospels. If we think to Luke chapter 8, for example, we meet two people there. The first is the woman who's had the flow of blood for many years. She's gone to many physicians and no one can heal her until finally she comes up behind Jesus and simply touches his cloak and she is healed. And then when Jesus discovers that she's done this, what does Jesus say to her? Well, he says in Luke 8, verse 48, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And the next person that we meet in the same chapter is Jairus. Jairus has come to our Lord Jesus. His daughter is sick at home, and he's asked Jesus to, to heal and so Jesus agrees, and he goes with Jairus to his home, but while they are on the way, of course, that messenger comes to Jairus and tells him, your daughter is now dead. Do not bother the teacher anymore. But again, what does Jesus say? Luke 8, verse 50, do not fear, only believe, only have faith, and she will be well. And so faith it's not just some word that we say. It's not some abstract concept which we have in our minds. Faith, it's this firm and sure confidence that the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ can make a difference in our lives. And this faith which the Colossians have, it also leads to a love which they have for all the saints. We see that also in, in verse 4 of our text. And this love which the Colossians were showing to one another, it's not some warm feeling of friendship they have towards one another, full of emotion. Rather, what this love does, instead of asking, how do I feel? It asks, what can I do for you? And so we can think about this ourselves as well when we consider our congregation. And if we truly love one another as the saints of God, we will ask, what can I do for my brothers and sisters? Is anyone in need of a listening ear or some words of comfort? Does anyone need a, a meal or even a simple phone call or even a card? These are all ways in which we can show that 
the gospel is working in our lives and that we have a love for one another, a love which shows itself not just in words, but also in the things which we do. And we know that this is love because this is what God himself showed to us most powerfully by by sending his son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us. And we can read this in 1 John 3, verse 16. These are the words of, of the Spirit there. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And so this is truly what the gospel does in the life of believers. It works sure faith in our hearts. It helps us to to love one another. It transforms us really into people who, who care and who love in the things that we do. And so we can thank God together with Paul and Timothy also this morning for sending us this gospel message, for working in us this faith, this love, which is seen so clearly in our deeds. And as we go ahead in our text, we also see that another reason for this faith and love has to do with the hope which is laid up for the Colossians in heaven, the same hope which is laid up for us as well. But what exactly is this hope? When we hear the word hope in the Bible, what is it talking about? Well, if we look ahead for a moment to verse 23 of our our chapter this morning, we read that Paul encourages the Colossians to continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. And so this hope too, it's grounded in the gospel. It's grounded in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a hope that helps us to hold on to the promise that we have of full redemption and also a hope which helps us to Look forward to that great and glorious day when Jesus Christ will return and when he will take us to be with him and with his Father in heavenly glory. Now, usually when we use the word hope in our daily lives, it comes with a certain amount of uncertainty. Boys and girls, you might hope that your parents will give you an extra candy this morning, but I think the chances are probably pretty slim. And we might hope to one day be married or we might even hope that our cancer will go into remission or that our illness will be healed, that the surgery will work. But all of these things, while we might hope for them at the end of the day, we don't know what God has in store for our lives. Now when we talk about the hope of the gospel, the hope which is grounded in Jesus Christ, which is grounded in his return in glory, this is a hope which we can be fully convinced of, which we can be sure is true. He's revealed as much in his word. We think of Hebrews 6 verse 19, it calls this hope a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. It's an anchor which holds us steady when the waves of life crash against us, when the winds of culture might blow against us. It's our hope in Jesus Christ that keeps our souls secure. No matter what comes against us, it's a hope which is sure, which we can depend on, which we can rely upon. And it's because of this hope, a hope which is firm, 
which we can be fully convinced of, which leads to the growth of our, our faith and our love. And if we know our, our Bible somewhat, it's really remarkable how often these three Christian virtues of faith, hope, and love appear together. To give just one example, think of 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 2 and 3, another letter of Paul, this time to the Thessalonians, and he says there, we give thanks to God always for you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so wherever we see faith, wherever we see love, there you're also sure to find this hope in Jesus Christ. And the same is true the other way. Wherever one hopes in Jesus Christ, there too you're going to see faith. You're going to see love for all the saints. This really is the the power which the gospel message has. This power which when we see our hope in Jesus Christ, then this hope works in us, this faith, this love. This gospel has such power, and it's, it's a power which Paul himself experienced firsthand in his own life. We know this from the experience he had on the Damascus Road. The blinding light came. Jesus Christ overcame Paul with the power of the gospel. And Paul, he was transformed from a persecutor of the church of Christ into a proclaimer of this great gospel message of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so this really is the power of the gospel message. And it's a power which is also at work in the lives of us as believers today, a power which brings real change in our lives and in the lives of the people in all the world as well. This is what we'll see in our second point. Now, if you were to read through the entire book of Colossians, you might start to get a sense that the Colossians were dealing with a bit of false teaching in their midst. We can see a little bit of this in chapter 2. If we look in verse 4, Paul says that he's writing to the Colossians so that no one may delude them with plausible arguments. And again, in chapter 2, verse 8, he says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition and, not a, and according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. Now, there is some debate over exactly what this false teaching was, but it seems to come down to some sort of combination between traditional folk religion plus a little bit of Judaism and Christianity all put together. And so instead of trusting only in the gospel of Jesus Christ and only in its power, The Colossians, they were turning to other things. They were turning to the power of things like magic or special prayers to angels, which they thought would fend off any evil which they were facing in their lives. And so part of Paul's reason in writing this letter is to address these false teachers and the false teaching, to point them back to their sure, their steadfast anchor of the soul, their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one in whom they hope. And as we read at the end of verse 5, they had heard of this hope of this gospel message beforehand in the word of truth, in the gospel. 
And so it's only this word of truth which can give them life. It's only this word of truth that can, for the Colossians, fend off whatever evil they feel that they are facing. Yes, others come with their plausible arguments, with their philosophies based on the reasoning of men, but at the end of the day, these things are nothing more than empty deceit. That's what Paul calls it in in 2 verse 8, empty deceit. And so what they truly need is, is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They don't need this other false teaching. It cannot give them what they stand in need of. What they need is the gospel to bear the fruit of faith, bear the fruit of love in their lives. And Paul says to them, just look at the example of how this gospel message is bearing fruit in the world all around you. And when we think about the situation in the Colossian church, we can see some, some analogies to our own situation today as well. If we think about our North American culture, which continues to secularize more and more, then more issues come to the surface, more problems are met, which people try to solve with their own plausible arguments, with their own human philosophies. Just take the issue of racism, for example. People tell us that what is needed is, is more education around this matter. And so people educate, they hold peaceful protests, they support communities in need. They might even produce music or other art forms which speak against the evils of racism. And it's true that all of these things can be helpful. But apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ, they never will produce the real change which is needed in our lives and the lives of our culture. Change which happens when one comes to faith in Jesus Christ, when that faith is further worked out in love for all of the saints and also for all the people around us, when love is how we treat people, when we respect them instead of harboring racist thoughts in our minds. Only the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ can really bring this change to us. And we can think of a similar situation if we think about the hate speech laws in our country. Legislation is put in place to try to make sure that people don't speak in a hateful way towards their neighbor. And of course, we agree as Christians that this is something we should strive to always do, to not speak words of hate. But in practice, legislating against it will never solve the problem completely. It's only the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ where the fruit of love is seen in our life that we will replace whatever hateful thoughts we have towards our neighbor with thoughts of love and care instead. It's this power of the gospel which is needed so badly in our culture today as well. And for evidence of this, we can also look at the world all around us and see the power which the gospel is having in other places as well. We can think of our brothers and sisters in China, people who've only heard the human philosophies, empty deceit from, from their authorities, and they see that what they need in their own lives and in the lives of the country as well is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel which comes to them, which bears the fruit of faith and love. And so the church there, it, it grows by leaps and bounds as they have their eyes and also their hearts fastened on their hope on Jesus Christ. 
And a similar story can be told of people in the Middle East. We know that many young Muslims are turning away from their faith. They see the horrible violence which it brings. They're so ripe for the gospel, and when the gospel comes, they see the freedom it has to love their neighbor as ourselves, to forget about all this violence, and they cling to it. They see the hope that they have in their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the hope laid up for heaven, a sure, steadfast anchor of their soul. And when we see this fruit in the world around us, it can also give us confidence to hold on to this hope which we also have in heaven, to hold on to this gospel message we have. It's been proclaimed to us, and we can have the confidence that it alone truly has power to transform our own lives and also the lives of people all around us. And this is what Paul also is encouraging the Colossians to remember As we've seen in the beginning of verse 6, he's reminded them of the fruit which the gospel has produced all throughout the world. And now as we come to the end of verse 6, Paul also says this gospel that has borne fruit also among you since the day you heard it. Since the very day the Colossians heard this gospel message, it was bearing fruit in their midst. And this really is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's this gospel which we must never tire of, which we must always stay closely connected to so that its fruit can also be seen in our lives and so that we too can experience the change which this gospel message brings. And as we gather here this morning, brothers and sisters, what better way is there to be connected with this gospel message than to continue to hear that message proclaimed each and every Sunday again? Just think of these familiar words from Romans 10, 14. How then can they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And so what a privilege we have to to gather every week, to be connected to the word of God, to hear of the power of the gospel, to be reminded of the loving God that we have, a God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, paid for our sins and then sends his Holy Spirit to work in us the fruits of the gospel message as well. The fruits such as love or joy or peace or all the other fruits of the Spirit as well. And when we think about it, what reason could we possibly come up with to avoid Sunday worship? It's so essential to hearing the gospel. And having heard the gospel on Sunday, God also blesses us with opportunity all throughout the week to be in his word, to do our devotions, to spend time in prayer with him, and he doesn't leave us on our own. He sends us his Holy Spirit to to give us that understanding, to give us the, the help in our prayers when we don't know what to pray for. And it's through these things that we begin to experience the power of the gospel in our own lives, and we can see the fruit that it bears, the fruit of faith, like we said, knowing that for the sake of Christ our sins are forgiven, everlasting righteousness and salvation are ours. All because of this hope, this hope of Jesus Christ which we have stored up in heaven. And so we can ask ourselves, have we experienced the joy of this gospel, the joy of 
the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, a joy of, of having faith in Jesus Christ, of knowing what he's done for us, also the joy of, of loving our brothers and sisters as ourselves. Such a wonderful thing to experience the power of this gospel message in our lives. But perhaps the greatest joy of all comes from knowing that this ultimately is also a work of the grace of God in our lives. If we look at the end of verse 6, Paul tells the Colossians is bearing fruit since the day they heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. And so the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it comes to us only by the grace of God. The fruit of the gospel which we see in our lives, it too is something which God works in us through his grace. And we know this, but it's so good to be reminded of it that we are not deserving of it, and yet God comes to us in his grace. He gives us forgiveness of sins. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He strengthens us to walk in the ways of the gospel. He transforms our lives through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we'll see also in our last point, we touched on it briefly already, God also graciously sends us ministers of the gospel message to proclaim it to us. As we come to verse 7 in our text, it might seem a little odd that all of a sudden Paul decides to pull Epiphras into this discussion of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet when we think about it, what Paul is really doing is he's showing the Colossians how essential Epiphras has been to their hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul reminds them that Epiphras, he's been a faithful servant of Jesus Christ, just, in he and, just as he and Timothy are. He reminds them that it was Epiphras who first ministered this gospel message to them. And we know that Epiphras, he's ministered this gospel message out of his own deep love, which the gospel has worked in him. We read in chapter 4, verse 12, that Epiphras has been struggling in his prayers for the Colossian brothers and sisters. And to a certain extent, we could even say that the Colossians owed a part of their very lives to Epiphras, since he was the one who delivered this gospel message to them, a message which was transformative in their lives. And so when we see Epiphras in our text this morning, we see the importance of the ministers of the gospel. Now, there are a lot of other people who we might consider to be important in our lives. If suddenly one day all the teachers in our midst were missing, or if one day all the doctors in town decided to pack their bags and leave, then I think we'd be concerned, and rightfully so. But what would our response be if suddenly there were no longer ministers to bring us the gospel message? Now, this past week, I heard a story of a man who, because of his work circumstances, he had to move around from one congregation to another. And it just so happened that many of the congregations he was a part of never had a minister of the gospel. Very often, these churches were vacant. And of course, the message of the gospel was still brought by elders faithfully every Sunday and visiting ministers as often as they could. 
But when he reflected on this years later, he recognized that there was something that he was lacking. It took a toll on his spiritual life and also that of his family, his, his children, not having a regular pastor and teacher to proclaim the gospel message to them. And we must never forget this, brothers and sisters. Remember the importance that we have in the ministers of the gospel and to remember these men in our prayers as well. These men, together with the elders and also the deacons in our midst, they've all been tasked with bringing this message to us with taking care over our souls. And so here in Emmanuel Church, we can be thankful to God that he has blessed us with faithful elders, faithful deacons, and also blessed us with a faithful minister of the word in our Reverend Van Spronson, someone who also is deserving of mention in our prayers. And wherever this gospel message is proclaimed, we know that its fruit will be plainly seen. As we see in verse 8, because Epiphras had faithfully ministered this message of the gospel to the Colossians, he could also report to Paul the love in the spirit which the Colossian believers had. We see that at the end of verse 8. It's through this gospel message that also the Holy Spirit works this love in our hearts, this love which flows out of our faith in Jesus Christ, a faith and love which are both grounded in our hope that we have, our hope in Jesus Christ stored up in heaven for us. And so when we think about the influences in our lives, brothers and sisters, truly the gospel of Jesus Christ has the most powerful influence in our life. And so let us praise God for sending his son for working faith, hope, love in our lives. And let us continue in this truth, continue in our faith, stable, steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel, which we here proclaimed and which is indeed proclaimed throughout all creation and in all the world. Amen.